The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's been an eventful couple of days over here on the Bespers Island. This is all comparative analysis, of course, because compared to a normal March or April or whatever the hell it is right now, there's nothing going on. But compared to any another three-day stretch, you might say, things have really picked up. You probably also might not. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. It's uh, Monday. It's the start of a new week. Not that's not the start, really. It's the afternoon already, but that's how things are going to go right now. You're going to have to bear with me on kind of a fluctuating podcast release schedule. We're still going to get shows out every day to the best of our ability, but things are nuts. There's uh, childcare. There's quarantine. And I just keep saying, I see all these people on the internet talking about how bored they are in quarantine, and I'll give you, I'll trade you, man. I'll, tra- I'll trade you. I haven't been bored for five seconds in this thing. I would desperately like to watch the entire season of Ozark. And we've watched one episode. When did that come out? Was that like four days ago? We've been trying to watch it, and we've managed one episode in four days? Yeah, welcome. Welcome. I went to the supermarket today. Wore a mask. It was weird. I don't like them. I feel like I touched the mask, or want to touch the mask, and you can't. That's worse than just wearing nothing and using your sleeve if you need to, you know, rub your chin or something. I got to tell you guys, I think I've been to this point in this this weird nebulous in-between relatively optimistic overall, but it's starting to beat me down a little bit. Not just the lack of sports, the lack of kind of almost anything new. I got to give credit to the guys, the the satire guys doing their shows from, you know, backyards and basements and whatever, and that's an improvement, but that just... And I'm sure you guys are feeling it too. There's just, there are very few ways to blow off steam right now. So hopefully we can do a little bit of that with the podcast. What I'm going to do is, I I had a lot of time to think about it over the weekend, and I think we're going to stick with what we started on Friday. Not necessarily the exact topic of Friday's show, which was, hey, what was the first, what was the beginning of this last year's draft like, and how did they perform, and what did we learn about it? But instead... We're just going to treat the regular season like it's effectively done. Because even if they do play a regular season game, which it's unfortunately looking more and more like the negative is the outcome of that. And we'll talk about the the sort of overarching season stuff here momentarily. Even if the season resumes for a couple of weeks, let's say they play like two weeks of regular season games to get people in in working shape in like July or August or something like that, it's not really going to change what we learned about the regular season anyway, right? It's not really going to adjust our expectations much. There might be a, a one or two things here and there. So what we're going to do instead, and we'd have been doing this you know, a week or two from now anyway, is we're going to embark upon the post-mortem portion of the podcasting season schedule. I like what the the uh, the guys are doing over on the written side at Hoopball. This is, of course, a Hoopball presentation at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter. Hoop-ball.com is the website. They're calling it the season so far analysis. 
And it could basically just be ported over as a post-mortem if they don't play any more regular season games. And it could probably be ported over as a post-mortem even if they do play some more regular season games. Take, for example, just sort of while we're floating along here, the Boston Celtics. Like, what if you looked at the Boston Celtics? And who's who? what did they do this year? Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Daniel Tice. That was really it. I say really it like that wasn't a good thing. They had six really solid fantasy contributors this year. Six guys inside the top 80, four guys inside the top 60. That's great, but that's not even the point of what we're talking about right now. We're not going to break down the Celtics today. They, We tend to work our way across the United States from west to east because, screw it, we live over here, so we'll go the other way. The point is, if the season resumed for three or four weeks, or one week, or two weeks, or even the entire five remaining weeks... Is any of this stuff really going to change our analysis of these guys? Barring a large injury to one of those six guys, we pretty much learned what we were going to learn. So you can... And by the way, I will take the blame on this too, because a couple weeks ago I said, no, we're not going to go into post-mortem yet. And honestly, I don't feel that bad about my decision at that point, because we really didn't have a handle on what was going on yet. Everyone was still learning on the fly. Two or three weeks ago is when most of the country was trying to figure out what this really was. What is this new coronavirus? What is this COVID-19 that's shutting everything down? How long is it going to take? We were watching China, South Korea, countries that were out in front of us. And I know some of you are like, Dan, South Korea got their first case same time we did. Yeah, but listen, they put into measures before the United States. China was way before any of us. That's where it started. So we had places we were watching to say, okay, well, how is this going to go? Are there any ways to play sports? How long are we going to be shut down? What are the assumptions? So at that point, when the NBA closed its doors temporarily on March 11th, which is now almost four weeks ago, over three and a half weeks, The first thought that I think popped into my head, which is, I like to think the pragmatic one, is let's just wait a little bit. Let's figure out what's going on. I am largely still in that camp from a big picture standpoint, meaning if you're still waiting to figure out what to do with your fantasy leagues, I think it it really can't hurt you to wait a little bit longer. I mean, the regular season wouldn't have been over yet. So people are calling for your leagues to just put an axe in them, and make the final decision already, you can remind those people, hey, the regular season wouldn't have even been over by now. Like, we, you wouldn't be getting paid out yet in your Roto League for another nine days anyway, more or less. <laughs> Depends on how fast your commissioner is, right? Head-to-head, yeah, maybe your league ended earlier, but whatever. So there's a very reasonable argument to say, we can at least wait until the regular season would have ended in the real universe here. Another week and a half to make our decisions. I don't really see much of a problem with that, even if right now it seems like we're pretty well locked into the notion that even if the regular season did resume, there wouldn't be enough of it to change how we shake this thing out. The only possible resumption we could get, there, uh, you know what, there are two, and I think I mentioned this a couple days ago, there are two resumptions we could get That would lead to a good reason 
to keep waiting. One of them would be if they said we're going to play the entire regular season schedule, maybe on a condensed format. That would be great for Roto, for head-to-head. Maybe you make some small adjustments, but still you should be able to utilize it in some capacity. The other way is if you're in a head-to-head league that was already in the playoffs and they said, hey, you know, we're going to play two more weeks, that might be enough to get you to the end of your head-to-head playoffs. Assuming all of the teams involved, I think you'd probably want it to be unanimous. I don't think it, I don't think it could be majority. I think it would have to be unanimous that the people in the league would say, yes, let's play on even if the schedule gets discombobulated a little bit. But we're covering, we're recovering ground. There's no point for that. That's not, uh, that's not what we're doing on today's podcast. Looping all the way back to the reason that we got into this discussion, I think we can treat this portion of the podcast post-mortem season as if the regular season is done, and I don't think it matters if we're wrong. If the regular season resumes... 99% of the things we talk about will still have been accurate. So why not do it this way? And then the reason I got the other reason I got into that long discussion was because I thought back to three and a half weeks ago when I said, I don't want to do postmortems yet, because what if we get more regular season? At that point, I think my thought was, well, there are a few things that could still change involving mostly the injured guys. And so we'll make adjustments to that if we need to. For now... We're going to treat it like the regular season is over. And if you want my strong thoughts on what you should do with your, your leagues, you can go back to the show's last week. It's appropriately named, I believe. I actually kind of forget what I... What did I actually name the show from last week where I went through all of it? I'll pull it up while I'm talking today, and I'll, I'll make sure I get that to you here in the next little bit. I think it was like Tuesday of last week. Right? March 31st? Yeah, title of the episode was What If the Season is Truly Done? So then you can start coming up with your plan for money distribution. So, if we are now officially moving into the post-mortem season, what we're going to do today on the podcast is break down our first team. We're going to go through all 30 teams in the NBA one by one. What did we learn about them this year? And what can we take away, big picture stuff, to apply to free, uh, future seasons? Things that I think, I I always believe one of the main things we do is don't overthink stuff too much. Sometimes we really do overcomplicate things. And just thinking about a few teams right off the top of my head, there are some spots where we really overcomplicated. And when I say we, I mean the entire fantasy community. I'm not talking about just, just us here, you listeners, me, host on this podcast. Across the fantasy landscape, the majority of people always overcomplicate. I try really hard to undercomplicate to really simplify it's why i split my guys into buckets it's why i don't have you know one through a hundred ranking broken down it's why i've got guys that are like okay there's a guy i'm going to take in this chunk here's my next chunk just looking for values simplify 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 and we'll we'll do that with these teams as well uh mixed in with all of our team by team breakdowns we're going to hopefully get a few guests on the podcast hoping to get brewski on the show at some point this week uh, hopefully we'll talk to Brandon Marcus, Josh Millman at some point soon. Perhaps we can get our buddy Alan Sroki on the show. Uh, I think the cap is back in town. So there's a lot of guys I want to talk to about lessons learned. And, and there are more names, by the way. That's just a, a small cross-section. Talk about things that we can pull away from an overall standpoint, not just a team-by-team. 
Also want to briefly make mention of the fact that the uh, NBA 2K tournament started late last week, and it was, sorry guys, kind of boring. <laughs> it was a little boring. Couldn't really get myself into it. There wasn't enough talking. I watched uh, about 15, 20 minutes of the Derek Jones Jr. Kevin Durant matchup and thought, what? I should just be playing a video game right now. I didn't. I went and I helped out with something related to childcare in the other room, but you get my drift. The other thing is the NBA now is exploring potential horse competitions, players going to isolated gymnasiums in different places in the country and competing in horse, virtual horse. It's not, you know, it's weird to call it virtual because they're going to actually be taking the shots. It's just, it's teleconferenced horse. I would watch that if it's silly. I'm hoping that, you know, you get all-star style commentary where, you know, the usual weirdos are all congregated and yelling about it. They can't be on the same bench. But, you know, if you put Chuck, Kenny, Ernie, and Shaq in their houses on headsets all piped into the, watching the same game of horse, I think I'd probably watch that. At this point, I'd watch almost anything. Almost anything. Can't bring myself to watch old games. I don't know what it is about me as a person. What does that say about me that I can't watch old games I've already seen? I derive no joy from it. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm cheating my brain. All right, well, that's enough of an intro. You guys always yell at me because I got long intros. But what the crap are we even going to talk about these days that requires me to jump into it fast? I hope that right now you guys are with me in the boat that this podcast is just an opportunity for me to yammer on about God knows what and for you guys to just turn your brains off for a few minutes. Let's talk about a team. And we're going to start with the Pacific Division because, damn it, I go left to right across the United States. The Pacific Division also has some of the easiest teams to break down in the NBA. The Lakers, the Clippers are arguably two of the easiest fantasy teams to talk about. But let's not make our lives so simple, right? Maybe we should go a little bit somewhere a little bit tougher, like Phoenix or Golden State or Sacramento. Mm, I don't know, man. That's a, that's a rough choice here. Either you go with a really easy, high-profile name or you go with an extremely complicated team of misfits or you go with the Suns. You know what? Screw it. We'll open up with the Lakers because you got to give the people what they want, and that is talk about the Lakers. The Lakers this year were a two-man band. But let's break down some of the numbers from this team. The number one player in all of fantasy with Anthony Davis, he averaged 26.7 points per game, 9.5 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.5 steals, 2.5 blocks on 51% from the field, and 84.5% at the free throw line. On 8.3 free throws per game, he did hit more than a three-pointer a game. He only turned the ball over 2.4 times. He was the nine-category champion of fantasy. He was brilliant, and we talked about him on Friday. He was one of those times where just don't overcomplicate it, and also he taught us that he's pretty durable. He only had one injury that cost him multiple games this season. He missed a handful as pretty much everyone in the NBA has, played in 55 of the Lakers' games. And overall, that is more than enough from a durability standpoint to warrant the number one pick. And I would do it again. I'd do it again. LeBron James, also a first-rounder this year, played in 60 of the Lakers' games so far on the season. Just 
behind Anthony Davis in scoring at 25.7, 2.23s, 8 rebounds, 10.5 assists to lead the NBA, 1.2 steals, half a block, 50% from the field, basically 49.8, and a medium volume, very bad foul number, under 70% for turnovers per game, so that cost him a bit in 9-cat. But really, the lessons to learn here are, number one, I underrated LeBron James in fantasy this season. Not because I thought he would take a step back behind Anthony Davis. Not because even I thought that he was going to mellow out from a fantasy standpoint. Truly. Last year, uh, he was number 24 from a fantasy standpoint. And most of his numbers were better. It was the free throw percent that was way, way worse. He was down in the 66 range last year. Uh, assists were also a lot lower. But what LeBron did this season was remarkable. He just he showed that last year he was operating at partial capacity. His big name in reality and in fantasy often hurt him as a value standpoint. He was rarely a draft day value because of the power behind his name. And the mere fact that he got anywhere close to where he was drafted this year is a testament to how good he was. The 10.6 assists per ball game was incredible for LeBron. 10.6, guys. The Lakers moved away from what they foolishly tried to do last year, which was get him other ball handlers. I mean, at the same time, listen, we can make the argument that they were pretty much giving him a, a season off anyway, uh, but he put together one of his best years ever. This season, field goal percent was a little bit down. He's taking a lot of three pointers. He's not in front of the rim quite as often, but not all that far down. But hey, look, career high in assists for this guy. He's 36 years old. Uh, steals and blocks are probably going to continue to slowly come down. But the fact that he got his free throw percent back up near 70 was a good thing based compared to the previous year. He's been pretty inconsistent at the foul line throughout his his career. For someone who takes as many free throws as he has, he's had seasons of 78% and the high end, 66, 67 on the low end. So you figure 70, 71, 72, something in that range is fairly predictable. Going forward, you look at the, the questions on LeBron and you ask yourself, what can we expect of him next year? And the answer really is you just sort of don't fade him until he gives you a reason to fade him. He's still taking a very high volume number of shots. I don't see any reason why that would change. He's shown no slippage at all. He's gotten better compared to last year. Compared to a handful of years. I mean, you go back to some of his his seasons in the return to Cleveland, and you could argue that he's been better this year. So if you want to go out there and spend a late first-round pick on LeBron James next season, I can't really talk you out of it. I probably wouldn't, because you get to a certain point where eventually everybody just has this toll taken on them. Although, listen, him only having to play 60 games this year and then maybe jump straight to a playoff format, I don't know what they're going to do, but that would actually be a boon for his knees also. Just his whole body. Do the assists come down? I don't know, maybe. He's just been so good. He's having fun. The team was having fun. I think I would consider taking him around the turn and just, hey, you know what, if he's a little bit off of that mark, fine, but maybe his free throw percent is a little bit better next year. Who knows? Bounces around a bit.
The other stuff with the Lakers, uh, the last time we kind of broke this team down as a whole, I said that I thought Boogie Cousins would have a big impact this year, and then, of course, he got hurt. My other thought was, you know, I thought JaVale McGee was going to have a big impact this year, and then Dwight Howard came in and pretty much annihilated that. And so outside of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, there really wasn't anybody that was able to lock down a position. This is evidenced by the minutes per game numbers on the Lakers. LeBron, 34.9 to lead the team. Anthony Davis, 34.4. Third on the team, Contavious Caldwell-Pope at 25.5. If you only have two guys on your team hit 26 minutes a ball game, you're probably not going to have that many fantasy all-stars. JaVale McGee consistently had the fastest path to fantasy value of anybody else on the roster. If the moments were there, those games that Anthony Davis sat out, for instance, games when Dwight Howard sat it out, JaVale getting a few extra minutes instead of playing 15, he played 20 or 21, that pushed him inside the top 100. And so for the year, you could basically make the argument that JaVale was worth using. What did he have? He had almost 100 blocks on the season, so that was useful. Good field goal percent, didn't do much else. A league average in rebounding for a big man. For a medium man, perhaps. By totals this year, he's number 103. So close. By averages, number 137. So really not quite there. But what does this mean, though? The point of doing these breakdowns is not to look at each individual player and say, what are they going to do next year? Because we don't know where every single one of these guys is going to be a season from now. Presumably, Anthony Davis signed an extension, but I mean, even that is still a question mark. You've got to believe that unless they bring in a third high-profile guy, which I don't, I don't know how that all shakes out, this is pretty much the look you're going to get. Danny Green playing 25 minutes. If he got to 30, he would probably be a fantasy value, but he won't. Not with KCP around. Not with Avery Bradley around. Alex Caruso. Markeith Morris was basically the third most interesting fantasy guy when he came to town, and that's not saying that he's going to be good. It's actually an indictment of everyone else. Kyle Kuzma was number 278 in fantasy this year. Why people thought he was going to be a thing is one of the great mysteries of our time. He's still 61% owned in Yahoo Leagues. That's crazy. He's been horrendous for 54 games. I, I That dude should have been on the wire months ago. I think the real key when you look at this Lakers team is not trying to locate weird little pockets of value. Dwight Howard, he might not be back next year. But what if they do bring in another big man? Maybe that's your answer to who is a third fantasy option on the Lakers. Maybe they sort of consolidate big men. All of these sort of mecha big men roll together into one more interesting one. But barring other large changes, that's the only path I see to a third guy having fantasy value on this team. Darren Collison coming back to play point guard was sort of the other kind of backdoor to fantasy value. As a shoot-second, high-efficiency point guard. This team doesn't really have one. Caruso would be your closest thing, but he's not a super high-efficiency guy. He's just a really good defensive point guard. And that's the case with a lot of these dudes. You know, Avery Bradley, known more for his defense 
which had waned in previous years, but was a little bit better this season. Caruso, defensive. Rondo, old and not good anymore. KCP, defensive and a good three-point shooter. Danny Green, same deal. Danny Green was the other one where you thought maybe there was a shot, but right from the first couple of games, you knew right out of the shoot that when he had those couple of bad ones in a row after the big opener, that he was going to be Danny Green and not quite Danny Green of Toronto. That the minutes just weren't going to be quite as high. Because there's a lot of hot hand stuff going on with this team. So I think we pretty much know what we're going to do with the Lakers next year. You're going to take Anthony Davis in your top two. You're going to take LeBron James probably near the turn if he makes it that far. Someone will snap him up because he's LeBron James. I'd rather see him fall more towards the second round. I don't think it's going to happen. And then we'll want to keep a real close watch on what the Lakers do at point guard and at center going forward because the wing spots are all jammed up. And we've talked about it before. It's really hard to have fantasy value as sort of a shooting guard profile of fantasy. Unless you're a ball-handling shooting guard like Donovan Mitchell or Zach Levine, you're stuck with a weird set of a stat set that doesn't always translate. The beauty of what someone like JaVale McGee was able to do for the Lakers the previous year is that he can rack up blocks and field goal percent which are difficult stats to win in Roto. I shouldn't say difficult on field goal percent, just stuff that people don't focus on, I should say. So maybe we call them easy stats to win because most people aren't looking at it. He derives a ton of value from winning categories that most people aren't looking at. And he was close. We said that already. But if they bring in a high-profile center that's going to that's gonna knock out the minutes, that kills all of these guys. The path you could maybe see forward is if Dwight Howard is not a Laker next year, JaVale McGee stays a Laker next and there's these are all moving pieces because almost all these dudes on the Lakers are on one or or at most two-year contracts at this point we can reassess all this stuff so forgetting for a minute what we might be looking for on the centers the point guard front for next year what we had from this season was a timeshare pretty much every place Jamel McGee 17 minutes at center Dwight Howard 19 minutes at center Anthony Davis about a dozen minutes at center LeBron Kuzma AD chewing up, and then Markeith Morris recently chewing up power forward minutes, Danny Green, KCP, chewing up wing minutes, along with Avery Bradley, Alex Caruso, Rajon Rondo, those guys playing some smooth shooting guard and point guard. It's just not going to work. There weren't enough localized, centralized minutes on the Lakers, and thus they were one of the easiest teams in all of fantasy because only two guys belonged on a roster, and the other guys, barely ever. JaVale McGee was worth a stream when someone was out. Dwight Howard was worth a stream when JaVale was out, or Anthony Davis, and that was pretty much it. I mean, you couldn't even convince me to start Rajon Rondo when LeBron James was out. I know he had a couple of games where the popcorn numbers were big, but he's truly awful. 272 was his nine-cat per-game ranking this year. So we started with an easy one. Sue me. We'll knock out another Pacific Division team tomorrow. We'll keep you updated on any guests coming on uh, where we can talk about lessons learned. Here, okay, you know what? I want to try to do at least one sweeping lesson learned from each team going forward. And the lesson learned here is that you can't always buy the stories on guys. First of all, for LeBron James, his sort of comeback redemption or whatever he was calling it season was one that you could sort of see coming, 
but he still, despite being this good, he still didn't really beat his ADP. So you're not going to knock yourself out about it. I saw too many people talking themselves out of Anthony Davis this year with, say, the number two pick. Someone took James Harden, and then whoever had number two was like, well... And that just... That hurt my heart. Because there are really only four guys in fantasy that have ever been in the value bucket that Anthony Davis falls in. James Harden is one. KD was one a couple years ago. Remember that season in Golden State where he was just nuts. Efficiency, defensive stats, he was crazy good. And Steph Curry, when he went so nuclear with the three-pointers and the field goal and the free-throw percent that he was able to catch up to some of these other guys, even though he doesn't have quite as many categories that he's good at. But the one guy that's always up there is Anthony Davis. Because of the defensive stats, because his turnovers are generally lower than the guys in this upper echelon. I mean, of the dudes drafted in that top five, his turnover numbers are by far the lowest. I ain't that close. Cat at 3.1. Giannis 3.7. Harden 4.5. Steph didn't even really play this year. And then AD 2.4. So in nine cat, James Harden has to be insane to to stay with him, and he almost was. Harden was just a little bit behind AD, but I just I you know you look at his numbers, and this this is the other story on the Anthony Davis thing. People talking themselves into the the brutal thing. We make the joke. Uh, <laughs> I make the joke. I shouldn't lump anybody else into this bucket with me. I make the joke that he has irritable bowel syndrome. I say Anthony Davis has IBS. That's why he's going to the locker room all the time. Thing is, if you look at his season-by-season breakdown, 64 games his rookie year, 67, second year, 68, his third year, 61, his fourth year, and then his fifth year in the NBA, the Pelicans started trying to compete, and he played 75, two seasons in a row, before last year, not this most recent one, but the previous year, his last season with the Pelicans, when he demanded a trade, and then was basically benched so that he wouldn't get himself hurt and lose his trade value, he played 56 games. So it's always been about kid-gloving him. Very few of his injuries have been stuff that wasn't preventable or play-throughable. And so in looking at some of the numbers this year with AD, I saw so many discussions of people saying, I can't draft Anthony Davis second or first overall because I just think he's going to miss too many games. Well, he only missed eight of the Lakers' 63 games so far this year. So, you know, run that pace for the rest of the way. What do you got there? About one out of every eight games. So he's missing about 10, which puts him on a full season at about 72 games played. And among the guys up at the top, even last year, Paul George, 77, Steph, 69, Cat 77, Giannis, 72, Kawhi, 60. I'm looking at last year, not this season. Irving, 67, Embiid, 64, Dame, 80. So Dame, Harden at 78. Durant played 78 before he hurt himself in the playoffs. Guys just don't play 80 games anymore. 72 out of Anthony Davis is more than enough. And if the Lakers weren't coasting along at the top of the Western Conference, they probably would have played him for one or two more. I don't know what was going to happen down the stretch. It possibly misses a couple of games there. But regardless, we didn't 
take the bait on this one. We didn't take the bait on this one. A lot of people did. You remember, you can go back and play the shows that we recorded here on Fantasy NBA Today in September, where I basically said, look, I'm taking Anthony Davis first. In any Roto League, if I get first pick, I'm taking AD because he can do things that other guys can't. He can almost win you blocks. He's great in rebounds, great in the percentages. Harden is the one other guy that you could say, I'm going to skip AD, I'm going to take Harden instead. And I would definitely say, that's fine, you do that. Okay, that's totally fine. But certainly the lesson from the Lakers this year, I think at least, is number one, don't overthink it. If you got a guy that plays when it matters, which AD has shown he's willing to do over the years, he'll come back from those mid-game trips to the toilet or whatever's going on with him. He'll play through the little nagging stuff so long as it doesn't get too bad. I guess the other one is don't doubt LeBron until he gives you a reason to doubt him, but don't overcomplicate things. Don't, don't talk yourself out of the guy. Anthony Davis, by the end of all of this stuff, on a per-game basis, was worth as much as the number three guy and the number 30 guy put together. Which is insane, right? He's worth Kawhi Leonard and uh, Paul George together this year. Isn't that nuts? Isn't that crazy? He's Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam together. So when you pass up on a guy like that and say, oh, you know what, I'm going to take the guy that I think is going to play uh, more games than AD and I'm going to go cat. Obviously, that didn't work out this year. Anthony Davis was worth Carl Anthony Towns and Andre Drummond together this season. Can you believe that? And you're like, Dan, those numbers don't add up. It's all about what you do with the other roster slot. If you can find a top 80 guy to fill in the other spot, the open roster slot, then that trade actually is worth it. So someone like in the Serge Ibaka Larry Nance, Malcolm, well, Brogdon's a bad example because he started hot and then faded. Even someone like a Derek Favors, believe it or not, who finished inside the top 90 this year. Combined with Anthony Davis is those two other names I just mentioned, Cat and, and Drummond. How crazy is that? Basketball Monster has these really cool value points where you can understand what each individual player is worth in one slot versus two. And this is why... Sometimes, and to me, taking Anthony Davis was never a risk this year either. It's as much a risk as almost anyone else in the NBA. Guys get hurt. It happens. But he's shown the ability to play through it when he has to. You just can't leave that value on the table. If you have the first or second overall pick, you've got to take the guy that's worth a a mid-first rounder and a third rounder together. If you don't, you are giving up a third rounder, effectively. Like, you know what, I'm going to take... I don't know. I'm going to take Jokic instead with my with my second overall pick. I'm going to take Cat. I'm going to take Giannis. By doing that and not taking Anthony Davis, you're basically saying, you know what? Mm, I don't need my third round pick this year. You want Devin Booker? You can have him. Just can't do it. Don't overthink it. Don't overcomplicate this stuff. Uh, apparently, don't doubt LeBron. And be willing to move on from guys. When we saw early that Danny Green wasn't going to be getting the minutes, it was time to go. When we saw early on that JaVale McGee wasn't going to be getting the minutes, it was time to go. Those guys became streamers fast. And please don't ever draft Kyle Kuzma. I don't know how many times I have to tell you guys this. (laughs) 
I, I know, I know, I know. Everybody, all my Laker fans out there are like, but I want to. Like, don't do it. Please don't do it. All right, that was good. I'm glad we did that last little extra part there. Tomorrow, another team of the Pacific Division. I don't know what time of day the show is coming out, but uh, it'll be out eventually. I'm Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, at Dan Vespers on Twitter. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Enjoy your Monday. If you can, stay safe. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.